All right, this morning we're in James chapter 1. We've been going through a lot of the New Testament letters and been reading them all the way through, then talking about various points in each of the chapters. <clears throat> Excuse me. But James is such a, um, a deep, rich, and I call it a very practical letter for us as Christians to apply to our life. I wanted to take it chapter by chapter instead of going all the way through one, uh, the whole, whole letter in one service. There's a lot here, and so I want to really mine it for us to help us take the Christian faith, apply it to our lives, live it out, so that um, we have a sense of that presence that my Lord is near me all the time, right? That's what Christian faith is supposed to be about, is having that sense of God's presence in your daily life. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at chapter 1. Uh, this letter by, G by Jesus' younger brother James, his half-brother, by the way, not a full brother, his half-brother, has elements of both grace and law. G James was a Jewish man. He was raised in the Jewish faith, so he was accustomed to the law, but he had come to know grace. And what a great thing it is to have grace in your life, God's grace. Amen? And it was written primarily to Jewish Christians. Uh, now, obviously, we know that Gentiles did read it as well or heard it read and worshiped through this letter as well. But it was written mainly to Jewish Christians. And through this letter, James encourages all Christians of all times to live out their faith in very practical ways, which I really appreciate. I'm kind of a practical kind of person. Um, so I, I like to know, okay, how, what am I supposed to do? How do you want me to do it? And so when James wrote this letter, it was made up mostly of Jewish believers, and most of them still live in Jerusalem or near Jerusalem. And he starts this letter in verse 1 by identifying himself. He says in verse 1, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, that James called himself a servant of God and his brother Jesus shows that James had come to believe in Jesus as personal Savior and Lord. And here's the key about the Christian faith. We can call Jesus our Savior. But until we call him our Lord, we're really not living out the full life yet. He'll, he'll be our Savior, but if we don't make him our Lord, if we don't listen to him, do his will, follow him, then there, we're missing something. We're not quite fulfilled there yet. So if you're having a struggle in your life feeling fulfilled as a Christian in your spiritual life, make Jesus more of your Lord every day. And your life will become more and more fulfilling for you. Your spiritual life will begin to blossom more and more. So let's read chapter 1 together and then go back and talk about it. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously of all to all without finding fault and will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres in a trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. 
Can you say amen to that? Amen. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he's dragged away and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. He does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. The man, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that our God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Father, this morning I just thank you for your word. I thank you for how it speaks to me and my spirit and my heart and my life. And Father, I don't live up to it, not the way I should or, or, or want to at times. I, I fail. So I just ask, Father, you'd forgive me of my own failures, my own sins. Help me, Father, to, to be led away from temptation. Help me to avoid sin. Help me not to be polluted by this world I live in, but help me to be a light for you. And help us as a church to be that light as well. Father, we want to be that light in this community too, Father. So I pray you just use this church and these people for your glory and for your good and for your kingdom. I pray, Father, that we all come to an understanding that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord as well. So I pray you'd use me for this, this morning to instruct and teach. Father, speak through me and your word, your spirit. Use me, Father, that uh, your people, your church might grow stronger and stronger in their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like preaching from the letter of James, if you haven't noticed that. It shows us what being a Christian in, in the real world, the real life, is really supposed to be like. And I like that because I want a picture, I want to know how do you live this life? I'm sure all of you do too, right? How do we live out this life? How do we live out our faith? How do we, how does, how do we have real faith? And how do we uh, change our world? Because our world is really in need of great change, isn't it? And our world is really right now needing a message that really will lead people to the truth. And I think James can help us do that. James tells us why we're saved by faith. We're also saved to live in a way that honors God. See, we can't go through life unchanged by this thing we call Christianity or our relationship with God or our faith in Jesus. We, we have to live in a way that honors God. Our lives display our faith. And that's what people look at us and they see. They see our faith in Jesus and the way we live and the things that we do in Jesus' name. Our world doesn't and hasn't for a very long time wanted to accept the reality of who Jesus is. Today in America, in the 20th century, in the 20, now the 21st century, Jesus, the reality of who Jesus is is hard for many people to accept. Just making a claim of truth is hard for people to accept today, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's something people just can't quite grasp 
uh, on their own for some reason, and that's because they need to be led by God to do that, that he's the Savior of the world, that he's the only Savior, because he said he is, is hard for people to accept as well. But the thing of it is, here's what proves Jesus is who he is and can do what he says he can do, is that he died. He was dead for three days, buried, but he rose up from the grave, and he lives still even today. And he overcame death by the power of God. Nobody else has ever done that. Nobody else in all of history has ever been able to do what Jesus has done. I really lament what's going on in America today in the church. Our culture and many in our churches have twisted the Christian faith into a a get-rich-quick scheme or an insurance policy to be used in times of emergencies when something bad happens in life and you reach out for anything. Or a crutch. Some people call it a crutch. I've never saw the Christian faith as a crutch. Because I've always realized I am a weak person. We're all weak people. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that, right? Amen? Yeah. When you're compared to God, you, you're, you're not weak. You're not strong. You are weak. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 41. He said it to, to Peter and to James and to John. He said, watch and pray this so you will not fall into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus said, I know you're weak, so pray. Do you feel weak at times spiritually? Do you, do you feel weak at times that facing the, the mountains of life, the trials of life, and you're wondering, how am I going to get through this? Pray. 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 For the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Looking at your outline this morning, point number one, James tells us, trust God. Trust God. And he'll see you through this life. Trust God. That's point number one. For those of you at home watching, have your outline or have a piece of paper ready. Point number one, trust God and he will see you through this life. At the very beginning of this letter, James tells us that as Christians, we will face trials of various kinds. And these trials have a purpose and a meaning. They're meant to test our faith. They're meant to teach us to persevere in our faith. See, we Americans, we love to give up too soon. We quit. We are weak, spiritually speaking. So we quit, we give up. But these trials that come into us, that come and attack us, they, they're meant for our good to teach us to persevere, not in our own strength or abilities, but in God's strength and in God's ability. Look at verse 2 and 3 with me. He says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What kind of trials do you face in life? What are you dealing with right now in your life? What would flash in front of you on a screen if we could read your mind? Maybe you've been mocked for your Christian faith by somebody. Maybe you've been shunned by your family or friends. I've had that happen to me. Maybe just life itself is so overwhelming at times that you can't quite get through on your own. Being a Christian today in America is not always going to be easy, is is it? Having strong opinions and beliefs today is often frowned on. You're too judgmental. You're too harsh. How can you possibly know that's true? Belief in God will be mocked. It is mocked. Even today it's mocked. But problems in in our life will put our faith on display. The problems we face in this life, when people mock us and we persevere in our faith and we don't give up, They'll prove our faith to ourselves. We can prove our own faith to ourselves by standing strong in the the power of God. 
And it also proves our faith to others because we don't quit and we don't give up. Now, I'll be honest, most of us do look for something or someone to hold on to, to cling on to in difficult times, because most people know they need something outside of themselves to get through something. When people go through difficult times, oftentimes they go to the pastor. And they sit down and say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know what to do. And what they need is just someone to reassure them, someone to talk to them, someone to share the burden with. And I get the joy of doing that with people. But sometimes I can't be there for everybody, right? Because I'm not where you're at or, or you know, whatever the situation is. Right now, right now, think about right now. Pastors ca- cannot go into hospitals and nursing homes. Why? Because we have this coronavirus thing going on. And they only let one person at a time. And they don't like to let very many uh, people outside of family in to visit sick people. Like at Brandon Woods and, and Pioneer Ridge. You can't go into those places. Even the loved ones can't go in. They're isolating those folks even more so they're sick because they're, they're older and they're, they're frail. I get that. But you can't bring no comfort to them that way by being with them. So what are you going to do when you're all alone and no one can come to you? You cling to Jesus. You cling to God. You cry out to God. You ask Him to help you get through this thing that you, you're facing. Pity those who don't have God or Jesus in their lives to hold on to. Isn't that sad? Listen to something Job says. Job 8, verse 13. Job said, Such is the destiny of all who forget God. So perishes the hope of the godless. What he trusts in is fragile. What he relies on is a spider's web. For those of you who don't have Jesus Christ in your life, for those of you who don't have a relationship with God, guess what? You're leaning on something that's very, very fragile. And when you fall, there will be nothing to catch you. Because you've got to have that relationship with God to have God in your life. God's just not going to always reach out and, and grab you. God will sometimes reach out and grab you to get your attention to save you so that you will rely on Him. But what He wants is for you to reach out to Him. And He will respond if we'll do that. If we'll quit relying upon our own strength and relying upon God's strength, He'll respond every time. Look at verse 4 and 5. In verses 4 and 5, James says this. He says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James says, look, just ask God. Cry out to God. When you have no one else, when you don't even know, you, when you don't even know what to do yourself, ask God. Did you know most people seek guidance from other people because they don't ask God? Think about it. People go to all kinds of uh, of other sources of, of guidance, friends, family, even professional counselors. Think of Dr. Phil. How many of you have ever watched Dr. Phil? Ever in your whole life? It's okay to admit it. I don't. I don't mind Dr. Phil. I've watched him a little bit here and there. I'm not a big fan of his show, but I've seen it. And some of those people are so desperate. They're so out of control. They they don't know what to do. And here's this man on TV giving, making money off of their sorrows, their struggles giving them guidance and direction. If only they would seek God first. If only they would seek God first. James said God is willing to give wisdom to anyone who asks, especially to Christians. Why don't more Christians seek God? I don't know. James tells us to trust God, and God will see us through this life. And I don't know about you, but I've tried to go through this life by myself, and I made a pretty big mess of it. 
But with God, things work out better. I'm, I, I still have bumps. I still have those speed bumps. I still have those, those potholes. I still have those struggles in life. I'm not perfect, but I've got God with me helping me persevering through this life. Then James said something else. He said, point number two in your outline today, faith is more important than people think. Faith is more important than people think. And the reason why I say it that way is because people today are more reliant upon science than they are on anything else. They rely upon science to answer everything. And if science can't answer it, and science cannot answer a lot of things in life, then they, they give up on that. But faith is more important than people think. Trust, perseverance, all take faith. To trust in God, you've got to have faith. To persevere with God, you've got to have faith. And faith is more important than people think. Look at verse 6. It says in verse 6, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Doubt is a common, universal, human aspect. We all have it to some measure or not. We all have some measure. Some of us have a little bit of doubt. Some of us have a lot more doubt. So doubt is almost automatic in almost everything that we're facing. Everything that we're confronted with, doubt is almost automatic. It almost wells up in our throat. Like, I just can't believe that. So how do we overcome doubt? As Christians, how do we do this? We overcome doubt one trial at a time. One trial at a time. You deal with one thing at a time through faith. By believing and by trusting God to get you through whatever it is you're going through. Doesn't mean you don't have anything to do in the, with dealing with that issue. It simply just means you trust God for the outcome. You're, you're trusting God for guidance. You're trusting God for leading you through that situation. And many times, I'll admit this, many times what we face in life does seem like a mountain, doesn't it? Cancer can seem like a mountain. I'm sure Lyle thinks what he's facing right now is a major, major, it's probably the Himalayas to him. I've never had lymphoma. I've never had cancer like that. So I don't know exactly what he's going through, but I'm sure that it's been like a mountain of time and God has seen him through. Any illness can be that way. A death of a family member or a loved one or a friend or some other loss that overwhelms us. People are going through all kinds of losses right now. They're, they're losing their, their, uh, their retirement funds. They're losing their jobs. They're losing their businesses. All these are things that can overwhelm people in that moment. But faith fights back. When you have faith, Faith fights back. It too can be automatic. Faith reminds us that God got us through a previous trial. Faith says, hey, it's God's voice. Faith is actually God's voice speaking to you in the midst of that mountain, that struggle, saying to you, I got you through this before. I can get you through this again. Faith will always war against doubt. It always will. Now you've got to let faith win. You've got to let faith Come up over and get that that push that doubt back down, and that's why J James tells us believe in God, believe God for who He is. We don't believe God for who is the Almighty, who is the Creator of all things. Then our faith simply is worthless. I mean, if we don't believe God, who we say we believe, then we really our faith really is worthless, and we will be like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. If you don't know this yet, I'm not, I've never sailed. I'm not a, a water person. I don't like going out on the water a whole lot. Uh, I don't mind going on a lake on a boat, but uh, I'm not big on sailing and things like that. I know lots of people are. 
But the ocean is a lot like life, and life is a lot like the ocean. The ocean is moved by tides. Did you know that? Tides in the ocean move and make currents, and currents also make waves. And the wind also moves the ocean and makes the waves even bigger and bigger. Even the moon affects, affects the ocean. All the sea can do is what these elements tell it to do or lead it to do. The waves of the ocean move about under the influence of all these different things. The tide, the currents, the moon, the wind. All these things influence. And it builds up and the ocean gets kind of out of control at times. Isn't that the way life is? Lots of different other elements come in into our life, into our spirit, and they affect the way we live. And we have no sense of control over that. We can't control cancer when it finally shows up or, or even aging. You know, I'm getting older and older myself, and I can't control that. I don't like that, right? Yeah, none of us like getting old and frail, and want, we want to still be active and doing the things we used to do when we were younger. But the thing of it is, is that these outside influences come in, and they change our lives. But faith is a calming element. Faith is a very calming element. Faith doesn't make the waves go away. It's not what it's for. It helps us to manage ourselves in the ocean of life. That's what faith does. Faith is a lot like a lifeboat. You get into the lifeboat of faith in God, and you ride out the storms of life. God doesn't take away the storms. They still come because we live in a fallen world. But we ride that lifeboat of faith with God. He, li he guides that boat. He directs that boat. He's, he's the captain of that boat. In Mark 11, verse 22, Jesus said this. He said, have faith in God, Jesus said. I tell you the truth, if anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. In other words, you're not going to go to the Rockies and say, Rockies, here's what I want you. I want you to go all the way back to the Pacific Ocean and dump yourself in. That's not what God's saying. God says, look, if you have faith in me, I'll make sure you're taken care of. That's what Jesus is saying there. I'll deal with the mountain. You don't have to. Isn't that more reassuring? Let God deal with the mountain. I don't want to deal with the mountain. I can't deal with the mountain. I can go to the Rockies. I've been to the Rockies. I can yell and scream at the Rockies, and they aren't going to move a bit from me. It doesn't mean I don't have faith in God. It's not what I'm, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying, look, whenever you're facing something that looks like a mountain, let God deal with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, some people don't have the lifeboat of faith in God, right? Amen? That's sad, but they can. Maybe you here today, you struggle. Maybe you slipped out of the lifeboat. Maybe you need to get back in. I don't know. But you can have it. If you don't have faith in God today, if you don't have that lifeboat that carries you through the storms of life, you can have that today. Put your faith in God. Trust in Jesus Christ. Make Him your Savior and your Lord, and He'll be your lifeboat. And God will see you through this life. Then James talks about something a lot of people are missing out on today. James distills down for us very clearly what the meaning of life really is. Are you ready? It's point number three on your outline this morning. Where are you with God? Where are you with God is what matters the most. Where you are with God is what matters the most. That's the meaning of life. Right there. Pretty simple, isn't it? James did that for us. Look at verse 9. He says, the brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who's rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away 
like a wildflower, like a wildflower. Most of us aren't rich, are we? I'm not a millionaire by any means, not even close. Most of us don't have much power or influence personally. We're just average folks, blue-collar folks. We work, or we, we worked and retired, but we are the children of God, amen? Yeah, we are the children of God, and James says that's a very high position to take or to be in or to be placed in. In 1 John 3, verse 1, the Bible says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord, you are a child of God. If He's your Savior, you're a child of God. You're just not in that full fulfillment yet. You don't have all of the benefits of that yet. You have to make Him your Lord as well. And although we might not be rich as the world defines rich, we have heaven for our eternal home. That is very reassuring to me. The older and older I get, I'm not that old really, I know that, but the older I get, the more I realize how important that, that, that idea is of an eternal home with God in heaven. And though we might not be powerful as the world defines powerful, we belong to the Almighty. You belong to the Almighty, the All-Powerful, the Creator of everything. And we can do all things through Him who strengthens us, Christ Jesus our Lord. And what does that mean, all things? It means we can persevere. It means God will carry us through, that we'll be all right. He'll take care of us. And then James also includes the rich and powerful as well. He talks about them in a slightly different way. Look at verse 10 and 11. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms falls and its beauty is destroyed. The same way the rich man will fade away even while it goes about his business. James made sure to include the rich and powerful. Aren't you glad of that? See, the Christian faith is not biased toward the rich or to the poor, to the uninfluential or the influential. The Christian faith is a great leveler of all people. The ground at the cross is level for all people. We're all the same height at the cross. And it doesn't matter if you're white or black or brown or, or whatever your skin color is or your ethnic group. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. We're all the same at the cross in God's eyes. We're His people. So he includes his rich and the, the powerful in verses 10 and 11. Riches, power, fame, glory, none of those things can hold back death, can they? They can put it off. They can push it away. Even the rich and powerful will, will someday die. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 2 says that. The Bible says there, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take it to heart. This is why we preach Christ. This is why we talk about Jesus. This is why we talk about having faith in God, because someday we're all going to die. So death humbles all of us at some point. Death is the position all people, rich and powerful or weak, will assume someday. All of us will assume this position. And if that's so, and it is, James says we better deal with God now. We need to prepare to meet God now. Don't put it off. Don't push it away. Deal with God today. Let God speak to you today. And if He's speaking to you, respond back. We must meet God now. And we must meet God on His terms. And thankfully, the Bible defines God's terms for us on how do we have this relationship with God? How do we live our lives in a way that honors God? Well, Micah chapter 6, verse 8 tells us that. It says, He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, 
to walk humbly with your God. That's what God requires of us. Does that seem incredibly hard? Not really. To, to, to love, to act justly, that means to treat people right. To be fair to everybody, to, to love and care about people, to, to love mercy, to love forgiving people when they offend you. Now, I know that can be hard sometimes, but we're called to do that and to walk humbly with your God. What does that mean? Simply let God just lead you. Just get in line with God and let God lead you. How does He lead us? He leads us through the Spirit, His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into us when we come, become believers. And the Holy Spirit, if we will let Him, He will guide and direct our thoughts and our thinking and our heart and our emotions. And we also are guided by God's Word, the Bible. By studying the Word, the Bible, by studying the God, God's Word, we can hear God speak. The words will come up off the page to you at, at the moment that you need them and prepare you for whatever you're facing in life. Walk humbly with God. Anybody can do that. Rich, poor, those of us in between. All of us can act justly towards others. All of us can love mercy for others. And all of us can walk humbly with God as His servants, as His children. Well, then we need to go to the end of chapter 1 because what James says at the end of chapter 1 I think probably shocked a lot of the Jewish people when they read this letter. Let's read verses 26 and 27. James ends chapter 1 by saying, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and false is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James just distills all this stuff down. We tend to complicate things as people. We tend to get things blown up. We tend to add more stuff that's not there. Well, James takes us back to this truth, these truths, and he boils them down to where, okay, this is easy. We can do this. Point number four on your outline this morning, religion is neither good nor bad. What matters is doing what God says. That's what James is getting to here. Religion is neither good nor bad. What matters is doing what God says. The word religion has a very bad connotation today in our culture. That's because religion by itself, for itself, is simply empty. Religion means nothing without God. You can worship almost anything. You can worship yourself. You can worship nothing. Lots of people don't worship anything. They just simply do whatever they want to do or whatever they feel is right. Religion for religious sake is a show. We're not here to be a show, are we? No. No. Cornerstone Church is not a church that's showy. We're not showing off. We're trying to live out our faith. Religion, for religious sake, is fake. It's put on. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't change lives. It doesn't change the world. Religion, for religious sake, doesn't promote Jesus. It doesn't promote faith in God or a relationship with God. Religion is just doing what you think you have to do to get in the door. It's that paying that old uh, cover charge to get in the, some of the places people used to go to back in the day. Remember what Micah 6 verse 8 says, walk humbly with your God. Walking humbly, walking with God implies a relationship. That implies a relationship with God. Walking humbly implies that God is in control, leading His people as He reveals His will and His plans for their lives. You know what? All of us here today, all of you watching, we're all individuals in God's kingdom. We all have shared uh, callings. 
We're all called to be the church. We're all called to be part of Cornerstone. We're all called to be part of the kingdom. We're all called to be Christians. So we have this common calling by God to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus. We also have individual callings. Some of us are called to preach. Some of us are called to sing. Some are called to lead music. Some are called to teach Sunday school. Some are called to, to do other things in the kingdom, to good works, to teaching kids, to taking care of all kinds of things. Just There's all kinds of work that God calls us to do. And whatever He calls us to do, that's your personal calling. And it's not my job to tell you what your calling is. It's my job to help you figure that out. But I'm not supposed to tell you. Because you're supposed to work that out with God. We all have a calling. We all have our own relationship with God. Jesus said it this way. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Why? He says, why do you call me Lord? Why do you say I'm your Lord, and then you don't, do, don't ever do what I say I want you to do? Why call Jesus Lord if we're not going to do what he expects us to do? Right? Yeah. James even tells us what God expects us to do in verse 27. He says, religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James said there's basically three things all of us have to do, every Christian should do in some way. Number one, watch the way we talk to others. Verse 26. If anyone considers himself religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So we're to watch what we say to other people. Man, can our world, can our culture today really get that? huh? Man, you watch the news, you watch some of these protests and people are cursing, spitting in other people's faces and going even beyond that. But it's just people are not controlling their mouths anymore. He said also help those in the need most. Orphans and widows are people who in almost every culture of the world have no one to take care of them, no one to look out for them. And we're supposed to look out for the least of these, these people, the ones who have nobody to rely on except for God. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew 25, verse 40. He said, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. So when we help somebody, who are we helping really? What are we doing? We're doing this for Jesus. We're doing this for God. And we're still helping this other person. And then number three, he says in verse 27, keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me how spiritually polluted the world is today. Don't, don't even worry about the environment. I mean, I, everybody wants clean air and clean water and all that. Yeah, sure. But spiritually, our world is very, very polluted today. And if we're not careful, it can get on us too. And oftentimes it does. So how do we keep ourselves from being spiritually polluted? How do we do that? By listening to God. By listening to God. John 8, verse 47, Jesus said it very simply. He said, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The reason why most people do not hear God when He speaks to them is because they don't belong to Him. They don't have that relationship with Him. They don't reach out to Him in their need. They try to figure out everything on their own. They try to come up with their own decisions. They, they go to worldly counselors like Dr. Phil and others like that. And they rely upon these things and these people instead of relying upon God. How do we do this? How do we start this relationship with God? It's very, very simple. I say it every Sunday. You have to give yourself to God by faith in Jesus Christ. You have to, to do something from your heart 
And you have to act upon that belief from your heart with your mouth. You have to say something to God. You have to pray and ask God and ask Jesus to be your Savior. If you want to do that today, right now, you can do that. Let's bow together. For those of you here who are fellows who have already done this, who believe in Jesus Christ, you can just pray for somebody right now that you know who needs Jesus. But for those of you who are watching online, and you want to know how you can have a relationship with God, here's how you do that. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, and you'll be saved. That's a promise from the Bible. And so just pray this prayer with me if you're ready. Close your eyes and pray this prayer right after me. Dear God, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I acknowledge to you that I need the forgiveness that only Jesus can give. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. Come into my, to my very life and my heart and be my Savior and Lord today and every day. Amen. I hope somebody out there prayed that prayer. And if you, and if you did, I, pray, I hope that you'll call us at 785-843-0442. Call the church office. Leave a voicemail. I'll be glad to get back to you and send you the information how to help you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. This is the most important thing in your life to make. The decision that you can make to follow Jesus is the most important one. Once you have Jesus Christ in your life as your Savior and Lord, guess what? Things will open up for you. Your life will change. Things will get better. Things will be dealt with. God will help you in your life. Let's sing. As we get ready to sing a song, let's stand and pray as a group, and we'll uh, let Anna lead us in singing. Father, I thank you for this time to that we can sing this song of invitation and ask anybody here today who needs to make some decision to follow you. Help them to make that decision. Speak to them and help them to hear you, Lord. I just pray this all in your name. Amen.